From the mouth breathers to the idiots, from TV to print, this is the Entitled Podcast Network, and this is Entitled Weekend. And welcome to Entitled Weekend. It's Shaq with Bill here. And Bill, th- th- we've been off for a couple weeks, and um, there haven't been too much as far as as far as the way of Patriots uh, playing well. The Patriots lost another game in between the time we talked last, uh, the time we did this with Dan, and last week. But just to get us started, there have been a couple of things that have happened uh, regarding uh, the Dolphins game, and then... Uh, Josh McDaniels getting fired from the Raiders. And really, uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But the Dolphins game, I think, to me, it just seemed like, I don't know about you, but it just seemed like this team, they they show signs and then just for some reason, it just can't, but they just can't get over the hump. And then, you know, everybody's going to talk about, everybody's going to talk about, oh, don't make excuses about the refs, but I'm sorry. If you watch that game, it was just unbelievable how many times it seems like they integrated themselves into the game. So just your overall quick thoughts on on Miami. Yeah, quick thoughts are Miami's a really good team. Uh, and the Patriots are not playing with enough consistency to be at the at the level to routinely beat really good teams. They beat a really good Buffalo team the week before, but they're not playing consistent enough to do that. And they're also not playing consistent enough to avoid when the refs step on their dicks, making a major impact, which is a harkening back to last year. You know, that's that like, that's a fair, like no one here is saying that like, we're thrilled that the Pats are two and six, that that's, that's a lack of development of this team when they can't, when they haven't taken the step forward to be able to overcome uh, the ref show when it does come up, because I mean, anybody with eyes knows that was not a well-officiated game. The league has an officiating problem and it's much more about just finding consistency because there are hits one week that are fined and hits one week that are immediate flags, or you see four flags for the same call that every ref saw it. And the next week, no one sees it. And it's, I understand it's a fast game. There are 22 people. Maybe it's time to bring some technology in and take some of this off the refs. Um, but as, as far as the paths go, it's just, it, it's what they are at this point. You, we talked, we talk often about the first month is feeling things out and the, the rest of the season is really telling you who they are, who this team is through half of the season is a very inconsistent team that cannot overcome turnovers, can't come, can't overcome the refs, and cannot play with enough consistency to, to routinely beat good teams. I am never going to discredit a Bill Belichick-led team enough to say that they don't have a chance in any game. That's why you don't, that's why they were able to beat Buffalo. Like, people want to throw the slings and arrows at Belichick, and I'm sure we'll talk about that some, but I, I think that really comes down to uh, you know, Bill Belichick gives his team a shot with his game planning expertise every week um, to be able to land an upset. But the fact is, they're now most games so far this season have been 
upset potential not where they're favored. Uh, and so certainly I'm, you know, I'm optimistic about this week. I think the offensive line looked better against Miami than it, than it did against other teams like Dallas, like, you know, like new Orleans and, and like it did through the first like five or six games. Um, and that did carry over from the Buffalo game. Um, obviously Mike on when you moving out to right tackle has a huge part to do with that. Um, so just, it's, you know, it's, it's infuriating, but like, if you tell me that they're going to rattle off the next three wins because they've got opponents who are sort of closer to their level um, in terms of how they've executed so far this year, it wouldn't entirely surprise me if we're talking about uh, a five and six team in, you know, one week after their bye. Um, but that then, and at that point you're talking about, is it the quality of the opponent? Are they getting better? But they could also lose two of three, all three. It's just in a very inconsistent team this year. Yeah. What are your thoughts, Jack? Yeah, an inconsistent team. And really, I want to go back to the officiating because it seems like it gets worse every single year. And especially this season, though, every week it seems like there's two or three teams that have legit complaints about calls that are game-breaking, really. I mean, it's a bad look, but I think the biggest concern with this is that the league is getting deeper and deeper into the gambling uh, era. And, you know, with fan, I mean, you see a gambling commercial every two seconds on an NFL game and elsewhere. And I mean, the integrity of the league, you know, as um, our, our buddy Goodell loves to use, um, it's waning if it hasn't already. And in addition to the, and they, the, the mothership talked about this on their pod earlier in the week about, you know, the spy gate and deflate gate, the, these not debunked, Facts that are still out there, way, you know, people like Aaron Rodgers, who I guess you wouldn't ex- really expect him to know the facts because he's a player. He doesn't really know. So, you know, he, it's not like you, he's doing the research. He's just a dumb jock playing a football game. But when when has Aaron Rodgers ever done the research? When, yeah, when well, has he ever trusted data? Uh, like if the PSI <laughs> numbers came out and they exonerated Brady, he'd be like, oh, you still believe in that? Might want to do a little reading it's he's he's infuriating um and and really i think that's just to allow him to have he like I, he's that loon who still thinks he's the greatest quarterback of all time when you know he's at this point now I'll, I'll argue it up and down he's already behind mahomes so like yeah. argument is well well and done over at this point because mahomes to me is you know has all the potential to be like mount rushmore but he's not even top five yet for me just because of longevity. Um, but Aaron Rodgers is behind him because Aaron Rodgers had less success. Much less. And, you know, he working his way back this year, which, I mean, that would be, I mean, wouldn't be impossible because of the advancements of medicine today, but it it's not going to get you <laughs> to closer to Tom Brady standards. So, no. He he could win the Super Bowl every year the remainder of his career, which is probably one or two years, and he wouldn't sniff Brady standard. Yeah, so uh, let's go to Josh McDaniels, who was fired, let go, along with Dave Ziegler, and the whole idea of this Belichick coaching tree, and again, like it was said on a, a mothership, has is is there any other coach who has a tree and 
doesn't that speak to doesn't it doesn't that give a compliment to Belichick of his longevity and the amount of teams who have been wanting to replicate at least a bit of even though it's not the Patriot way because the only the Patriot way only exists with Bill Belichick. So there are there are people who are saying, oh, they're trying to implement the Patriot way. No, you can't implement the Patriot way if you don't have the architect of the Patriot way. And that's Bill Belichick. But all these other teams have been wanting to get all of their all of Belichick's assistance and it hasn't worked out. But I think that's a testament to Bill Belichick and his and his longevity that all these other guys who he has given their blessing to to go and do other things and try to better their career and they haven't been able to you know that he can't control that that's not his job to 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 say oh this is how you do it yeah it's not not that he doesn't give advice but these guys are adults they're going to do their own thing they're going to run their team the way they want to so this Belichick coaching tree thing is just asinine yeah, it's not only is it asinine, it speaks to what do you want your coach to do? Do you want your coach to coach up players to play well within a system, coaches to coach well within a system, and to allow that team to produce as well as they can on the field? Or are you looking for your coach to coach coaches to be better coaches for other teams? I, personally, I want my coach to care more about what's happening on the field for my team. I mean, the coaching tree you hear most is probably Mike Shanahan's um, because that has yielded the Kyle Shanahan's of the world, some of the modern coaches. And to his credit, it's like there are very good coaches that have worked under under Mike Shanahan and therefore under Kyle Shanahan. But when you look at his career, Mike Shanahan finished his career 170 and 138. He had a 552 winning percentage. There's no shame in that. That's a good record. He won championships. Like That's a good coaching history. But is it Bill Belichick's coaching history? No. Is it Andy Reid's coaching history? No. And Andy Reid's had some success with, with some of his with, with some of his protégés. But like you look at Mike Shanahan going to Washington. He was 24 and 40 in Washington. He, you know, it's he just he was a good coach that developed good coaches and had some success on the field. Bill Belichick has developed some good coaches and some of that has been done through how he developed players. I mean, Mike Vrabel's gotten a lot of talk recently and yes, I understand that Mike Vrabel didn't coach under Bill Belichick, but Mike Vrabel learned NFL football at his most successful point in his career under Bill Belichick. He gives a lot of credit to what he knows about the game to Bill Belichick. But we don't count that. Brian Dayball wasn't Bill Belichick's last year because he was successful. But now that he is having some struggles this year, now now it's, oh, Bill Belichick's coaching tree. It's Coaching trees are just, you know, they're the, you know, they're the what ifs of, you know, it's what if you didn't have Brady? What if you had this quarterback? What if you had that court? That's what I think of with coaching trees. They're they're a, a nice conversation starter. They can be an accentuator to somebody's legacy, but I don't see them as anything that should be like a determining factor in what you define as coaching success. I think what you define coaching success as is wins and losses on the field and championships. Well, I don't know what else you're supposed to go off of. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's every time they want to 
discredit him. That's that's what they use. And so they have they I mean they plan to talk about this season, but the coaching tree is just seems like a reach and a, a reach and a half, especially now. Like what 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 is the big deal with this? I I I just can't care that much about how well the coaches that used to coach under my coach. And I'm gonna. I feel like I'm making an insane sentence because I'm saying coach seven <laughs> times. But how well the coach Co- is coach under inception. the coach that we have coach another team. I I just I I can't care about that. I don't care how Josh McDaniels does with Las Vegas. I like Josh McDaniels. I you know I I, I as an offensive coordinator, I've liked when he's been with New England. But I think you'd be remiss to say like he's had two stops and both have seemed to be. You know, I don't want to say disasters because that feels like I'm just piling on, but they've not been good coaching stints by any stretch of the imagination. And so like, but I don't care. That's not Bill Belichick. That's like, that's not the Patriots. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. And and (laughs) why should it matter to the fans? He didn't bring enough coaches up. He's tried. He's opened the door to people. He's, you know, convinced people to stay and learn more from him at times. Like, he's tried. Maybe his system is a rarity. Maybe you need to be a rare person to run what Bill Belichick does successfully. But if other coaches can't replicate it, then I think that tells you something about Bill Belichick. And I think that's your original point. That, you know, it's – he. If you if it's not easily replicated, that's a credit to Bill Belichick. But it's not a detriment to him that he didn't prepare other coaches to beat him more effectively. I I, I just don't see what the like that math doesn't math to me. It it just doesn't make any sense. But uh, let's get back to this team, uh, Bill. And I, we were talking earlier about. And we we actually had had a joke a couple of weeks ago about uh, I think you were wearing some jersey, of, I don't know what what it was, and you got it from a bargain bin. Oh, it was John New Smith. It was uh, it was right. after Smith. John New Smith got traded. I live close enough to the pro shop. I went down. I always do it. And like my wife has a Cam Newton jersey that she got for fifteen dollars. I have a John New Smith jersey. I'm not paying like. I don't wear a jersey often enough to pay 150 bucks for a jersey. So I pay 15 for somebody that might have just left the team. And it's like, it's quirky and fun. That's where I've gotten most of my jerseys. Yeah. So we were talking about, um, we were thinking about what what the, the player would be that would be that, who would, who would be the next person to be on that quote unquote bargain bin list that you got, you know, for $2 in, on the pro shop. Right. But yeah, it's oh, go ahead. It yeah, it, it's interesting. No, please. No, I was thinking who about I was thinking about it. I was like, who would be that guy? And I mean, everybody's saying Juju, every everybody would say, Oh, Juju's gonna be the guy. He's gonna be the guy who gets cut and his jersey wants to be but I, but I don't think so. I think that's I think that's a little I think I don't wanna say like a guy like Andre or something like that. I think he's way better than what he's shown this season. And the offensive line has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Um, so it, it's actually harder for me to think about it now, a couple of weeks in. And I think we were in that spirit because of the trade deadline. We're like, who's going to get traded? Which means that like, who's on that, that bin is not 
they're not bad players. When I was looking, there was Damian Harris and there was Johnu Smith. There weren't any Damian Harris's that fit me, or I would have gotten Damian Harris. But da- I liked what Damian Harris did for the Patriots. I, you know, Johnu Smith did not have a lot of success here, but you know, I like I understand the talent there. He's a good NFL player. He's you know like he's been doing well in Atlanta, and I'm happy for him that he's doing it. But it's like it's not the player that's like because they're not making a lot of jerseys for like the the practice squad elevation. They're not, you know, there weren't, you know, they weren't going to be throwing a bunch of Malik Cunningham jerseys onto the rack if he didn't get back to the practice squad because they just weren't making a lot. So it's really like, who is that player that like would be the person who might be most likely to get traded? Um, You know, obviously one of the, we all had the names of free agents that were pending. Josh Uche was a potential, Kyle Duggar, um, Trent Brown. Um, You know, there were several guys that were sort of in that like contract year area that you're like oh maybe that's going to be the person that ends up on that on that rack next um and i think it's i you know i'm you know i know holding pat was not what what everybody wanted but if you get the chance to negotiate with let's say like the three big you know the the three biggest free agents you're going to have are probably kyle duggar um mike unwin and josh uche trent brown probably fourth but if you negotiate with those three guys and instead of trading them, you're able to re-sign one and franchise tag one and then either tag and trade or have them play under the tag for an additional year, you're then not making those moves at the deadline was a good decision because you have the time to negotiate with them and to bring them through for the contract. I think it's fair as much as, you know, people will think that I will defend anything. Um, it's fair to criticize if they don't re-sign any of them. But contract negotiations are a tricky thing. And so it's understandable that you might want to have those guys on the roster and like keep as much of that talent as you can, but negotiate in good faith with all of them. And if somebody's going to get like a blockbuster deal somewhere else that you're not willing to pay after assessing the player for several years, then so be it. Yeah. And so uh, our buddy Kyle Gunzinger had had an interesting thought about the untouchables. Like who are the people who are just, uh, off limits, just can't can't let them go. And obviously, that's Judon, that's Christian uh, Gonzalez, got the Jones brothers, all three of them, all three defenders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, and again, I think Ramadri Stevenson. Even though, I mean, we already already know he wasn't traded, but I'm not sure where they can go with that because, like you said, that's a position that the running back that can be filled. You know. Zeke mm-hmm. is, is, you know, he's, I think he's outplayed him and, and that's unfortunate because I like him, but, uh, and also there's, you've got Peppers, Duggar, uh, Henry, uh, Kendrick Bourne, who unfortunately got hurt is, is torn ACL. So that sucks for the uh, wide receivers and Christian Barmore. But I, I think I think that's pretty much it for the Stone Cold Lead Pipe Locks guys that I know are gonna are gonna be here one way or the other next season. If they're not, that it would be it would be an upset. Oh, I, and and like I think there's I think it's really interesting when people are talking about like what's the core of this team next year. I think it's a really interesting conversation because I have some differences from you there. Like I'm not okay. convinced Hunter Henry's on this team next year. He's a free agent. It depends on where they're spending the dollars. Um, you know, so I'm not convinced there. Mondre, not on my list. Doesn't mean I don't love his game. 
It all it means is that if somebody rang up the Patriots this offseason and said we will give you an early third round draft pick for for Mondre Stevenson one year before he'd have to be paid, I that's an interesting offer. Especially if they're going to bring back somebody like Zeke. If they'd rather, but with their cap space, they might rather spend dollars on somebody in a short term while they bring in some draft picks, some young guys to play the back position as well. So it it, it, it all depends on what they're looking to do at that position, but I, I don't have Mondre on that list. Christian Gonzalez, yes. My hottest of hot takes is I don't necessarily, as the roster is constructed right now, yes, I don't necessarily have Judon on that list. Only because if they look this offseason at, like, they go out big and they go get Chase Young. And they've got Chase Young, Keon White, and Christian Barmore. And Judon wants a new deal at that point. He wants a new deal and some new money. And he's 30-plus years old. Are they going to do it? I think they should. Do I want him here? Absolutely. Am I going to say he's stone-cold lock to be here next season? No. I think he would, I, I think it would be a bad locker room decision to not get Judon back. You know, he's obviously got one more year on the deal, but like based off this offseason, they're going to have to set up a new deal for him. So I think it depends on what the, what the offseason does for them. Um, but I, I, you know, I think there's very few. I think it's Christian Gonzalez. Um, I think it's Peppers. I think Peppers is a stone cold block. And if you can extend him this offseason, please do it. Well, Adam Jones um, doesn't. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have said it before his injury, but I do think Hendrick Bourne um, because yeah. I think that impacts what his free agent value will be. But I do think that's like a one-year deal. I think he's going to want to show off that he's healthy in a system he's familiar with, um, show that he can still do it, and then he'll be a free agent that following year and the Patriots might pl- pay to have him back or not. Um, I think Mike Conway and you at this point has shown the value and you've got to pay him. I uh, Of all the guys, I think Mike Conway and you. Um, obviously your young guys like Gonzalez, uh, Mapu, Strange are all going to be locks on the roster, but not like, I wouldn't necessarily call them core. I would say your core guys are probably Christian Gonzalez, Peppers. I would love to say Duggar, but I think it's up in the air on when you, from there, when you've got a hundred million in cap space a few pending free agents who could command some dollars and a lot of interesting free agents out there. I think it's really up in the air. I I, I can count, you know, it's sort of like, you know, five years ago when you're talking, what's the court would have been like Brady Edelman, Slater, McCourty. Like I always think of it in like a group, a small group of four or five guys. Um, Barmore would probably be on that list as well. So I think that for next year, I'm thinking like it's Barmore on Wayne U Christian Gonzalez, Peppers, and or Duggar. That, that's fair. That's fair. And obviously, as the season goes on, it, these may change. And that's the beauty of, of a discussion like this. Exactly. Because Cole Strange has been getting healthy. Like yeah. that, like... I don't do I think do I think I'm going to call a, a like a guard one of like the core players? It happens. Logan Mankins was a core player while he was here. Like there it it absolutely happens, but it takes a really exceptional guard to be part of a core. Your tackles are almost always part of your core if they're talented. 
if they want to roll out next year with Trent Brown and Mike on you again, I'm okay with that. And if anything has been good out of the first eight weeks, it's understanding who you could have as your starting tackle for the next season and be confident in their ability to protect the quarterback. That's a development from there. Let, let the, let's see what the rotation pieces look at the offensive line. Let's see what, what the draft looks like. Free agency looks like to enhance that unit. And yeah, I'm intentionally absolutely. not saying David Andrews because I think he's retiring at the end of the year. It's just my gut I, opinion. I th- yeah. I, 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 I think, I think this might be last. I think this might be the last one for him. Um, you know, he might come back and if he does great, like, obviously I think he's a leader in the locker room. It's he's nobody I'd cut or trade. Um, but I, I'm just holding off on calling him part of that core because I, I do think that the number of injuries he's had over the last several years and not wanting to go out on an injury year, but wanting to go out a little bit more on his terms might have been what brought him back this year. Yeah, I think that's pretty it – would, it would be smart on his behalf to go out this year, and especially since this may not be a year that, you know, is – so is, you know – is, is um he may not be playing extra games you know i'm not not saying that that's over with but it's seemingly possible that it might be so maybe that's in his mind it's like well you know what let's just play the season through and then hang hang the cleats up right and the good thing is like if they don't you know and it's it's obviously very likely they're not making the playoffs um but if they do not it does give him the maximum amount of time to sort of see how his body bounces back, see how an offseason training might start off for him and allows him to really make the most informed decision Um, for somebody with the amount of injuries he's had, um, you know, knowing that he's got, you know, a couple of kids and he's had several, you know, lower body injuries. I want to be able to go outside and play with his kid. Like I say this all the time with people that retire, I want them to be happy. I want them to be healthy. Um, You know, Obviously, it's his call if he wants to come back. But if if he left this year, I would not be entirely surprised, and I would fully support it. Um, you know, for a championship player who's given a lot of years. Absolutely, yeah. He's he's one of the dedicated ones, and I, I'm uh, he's definitely a if you Hall of Famer caliber player. If that if he does retire, so absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so um, I want to tra- backtrack a little bit, Bill, because I, we didn't talk about this before the show, but this happened just a couple of days after we recorded our last show, after the Bills win, and uh, and I hate to say this, but Rob Gronkowski has just become a media whore. I mean, not that we didn't already know this, but it's just a whore in the worst way, and you know now he's on Fox. Um, I don't, I'm not sure. I, ha- I don't watch these pregame shows, so I don't know if it's every week but now but he's doing the media you know hobnob and recently he's on this show with Kay Adams called Up and Adams and he was with Patrick Chung and this again this was after the Patriots won against Buffalo and he here he is talking about how the Patriots should they shouldn't be celebrating they should you know act like they belong there but if you ask me, that celebration was pretty ridiculous, Chung. Whenever we celebrated just a little bit, we would get hounded. They just won one game, and they celebrated, like, more than we would when we won a Super Bowl. That was, like, one of the most absurd 
celebrations. Like, I'm like, wow, they, they won a game. They, they went that crazy. Like they acting like they never been there before Chung. So what do you think about their griddling, griddling or grittying all over the place, like to an absurd level. Chung, what do you think about it? I mean, times are different, girl. You know that. I mean, younger kids and at the same time, bro, it's division win, very much needed, you know, so that's a big booster for the team. So whatever they got to do, celebrate all you want to. Just win some more games. We'll be good. But we did get hounded, though. I used to try to pump the crowd up when I was younger. And Bill would say, stop worrying about pumping up the crowd and cover the tight end. And I'm like, oh, oh damn. <laughs> all right, coach, my bad. <laughs> my bad. You know, but it's a different time. Let the kids have fun. You know, if it's going to boost their morale and, you know, get them going, you know, in the, in the right direction, then, you know, I'm all for it. I, I feel like Gronk, uh, I, the CTE is really affecting him. I, the way, just that sentence, the way it came off, it just sounded, it, the words were jumbled. It, it, I don't know why he's on television talking like this. I, well, I put television in quotes because it's fan duel television. But, it, I mean, Dude, this is the same guy who used the Lombardi Trophy as a baseball bat. <laughs> he he bent the Lombardi Trophy. This is the same guy who was literally drunk on top of the, one of the duck boats. Are you serious? This 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 guy is talking about is being moral now. And I think, first off, I think that you know we should really differentiate i want to apologize to horse for comparing you to what rob gronkowski just did because <laughs> that i'm sorry your, profe oldest, your, your profession is, it is it, yeah your profession is is respected and and it is it is legal <laughs> yeah it, we 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 respect all people here on the entitled podcast network um but gronk he it comes off with such a lack of understanding of the moment, which is sort of what we've always known Gronk has. He has a, there's a, a self-awareness that Gronk hasn't had, which made him sometimes the cyborg he was on the field, sometimes made him, you know, the, the attention grabber that he has been in his life after football. Um, but what he fails to acknowledge is like, when Belichick at like Chung's example afterward, he's like, I was trying to pump up the crowd. And he'd say, don't worry about pumping up the crowd. Like go cover the tight end. Pump, pumping up the crowd happens in the middle of a, like while you've got a defensive stand, a big third down's coming. And if you're distracted by pumping up the crowd, you might not do everything that you need to do on the field to make the stop happen. This is a touchdown with like seven seconds left to end the game and the offense isn't going on the field again. Like, if the Bills score a touchdown, it's going to be with zero seconds left on the clock. So the offense's job is done. So, yeah, you know what? They can gritty and dance and celebrate in the whole nine because their job is done. They have, to quote Bill Belichick, do your job. Their job was done. And so they could celebrate. And, yeah, in a year where they're, six and, where they're two and six and they have not had a lot of success – they should celebrate those moments because they're galvanizing. They bring them together. They see what success looks like. Like, yes, a different team needs different things, Gronk. What did 
I mean, if every team is the same, why'd you have to go to Tampa? Why'd Tom leave for Tampa Bay? Why did Chung go to, to, you know, the Eagles for a number of years? Why do players change anywhere? If every team is just lather, rinse, repeat, you should act the same way. It's, this is a different Patriots team. They are in a different position than the Tom Brady led team. Yeah, to say that they haven't been there before, they haven't been there before. This is a different Patriots right. team. They didn't. They haven't beaten the Bills. <laughs> and and they, yeah, right. Like and and on top, like they beat the only time that that Mac Jones led Patriots beat the Bills was in that windstorm. Yeah, and, right. And so, you know, it was the it was the windstorm game, and so yeah, it's a huge win for them. And the whole thing was like Mac Jones can't lead the team down the field for the end of the game. They hear that. And so, yeah, they're jacked up because they because the lead was given up, and it looked like you know, it looked like a lot of the other Patriots games where they didn't come through in the end in the last year and a half. But you know what they did? They led a meticulous drive down the field and won the game. So yeah, they should gritty. And also, I didn't personally think it was all that over the top. They ran into the end zone, did a celebration, and went to the sideline. Like, saying grittying all over the place. Is this the same Gronk that did the um, the London, you know, the uh, the London yeah, soldier the, march the, the, and the spike Bucking, the ball yeah, in the London? Yeah, the Palace march. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this, is this the same Gronk that, you know, lost himself in the moment so much that he, you know, went back to a Bills player and, like, tackled him in the back well after a play in an act that was not a football play? I don't want to hear about Gronk saying act like you've been there before because he didn't. What and about that, what about what like, about in that Pittsburgh game? Remember the Pittsburgh Steelers game where he scored a touchdown and he was pretty much I don't know what I don't it was like he I don't know he was doing something to he the was, guy. he was acting he was like acting out yeah he was acting out like a giant belly laugh like laughing at the defender and like yeah. I'm okay with celebrating like in yeah. general, this is not me saying oh Gronk clutching my pearls about what you did I, I'm okay with it. You don't like what somebody's doing? Don't let them score. Don't. It, it's the whole 07 Patriots thing. If you don't like when they put up 50 yeah. on you, if you don't like that they gritty in the end zone with the last second touchdown, don't let them score 50. Don't let them gritty. Don't let them do these things. And then you've got, you know, it, it's it's always very impressive to me when we see players like Gronk come out into the media and say things like this. But they wouldn't dare say it about like Tyree Kill doing backflips and giving people the peace sign as he's running into the end zone. Like, like you know, things that are celebratory that I have no problem with. But he's disrespecting, quote unquote, the other team. He's not acting like he's been there before. Like, he's allowed to do that. He because he made the play. I have no qual. I have no qualms with it. I like as much as I'm a Pats fan, and I do not like Tyree Kill as a person. I thought it was really funny when he scored the touchdown and ran all the way to the bench and just sat down. Like that was a, a mo- like that was a like drop the mic type celebration. It's those things are fine. All the celebrations are fine. Why are we doing this? Like, you know why we're it's so Justin Jefferson who brought like I, I I you know I'm sure other players did it before I'm somebody's gonna quote me and be like well actually but Justin Jefferson who brought really brought the gritty to notoriety in the in the NFL is he not acting like he's been there before when he's doing the gritty gritty and all over the place like but you're not saying it about Justin Jefferson 
You're saying it about your former team that there was a little bit of salt with at the end. Like, let's let's call spades spades. And, you know, if if you're okay with celebrations from one person, you should be okay with them from all. I have no problem with any player celebrating. I just don't. <laughs> Stop them if you don't like it. Oh, by the way, do you know somebody who this this is how a, a certain person feels about celebrations? Go Belichick. There's nothing wrong. In fact, you should be excited when you make a play. Hell, look at all the work you've put into it. All the time that you've spent and practice of putting into it. And to go out there in a game competitively and execute it well and make a play, you should be excited about it. And your teammates should be excited too. And you see when we're playing with energy and when we're playing with emotion and when we're not. Nice play, Ty. Can't even see one guy saying, good hit. Walk back to the huddle and say, God, it looks like we don't even care. We aren't good enough to play that way. I don't know that anybody is. So, Gary, you know it's a good play. Just doesn't really register with anybody else. I Just look at this right here. Do you think we were ready to play against Denver last year, Monday night? It's so obvious. It's so visible. And when you can show that picture visually to your opponent, that's what intimidation is. That's the look right there, fellas. Yeah, there you go. Case closed. Like, (laughs) it's the only thing that you shouldn't like about a celebration from your team is one, if it injures a player. Like if they're going so hard that they, they're doing something that's outside of their normal capability and they hurt themselves. Um, memory serves a number of years ago, there was a Bears linebacker. Pats were blowing them out by like 30. And they sacked Tom Brady and he ran back 10 yards and did like this leaping into a stoic stance and tore his ACL. Like yeah. that happens, you have a right to be a little salty about about an injury, about a, a celebration. The other time that you shouldn't like a celebration is if the celebration impacts that player's ability to be ready for that next play. If they're not paying attention to what's next, if they miss the call, if they, you know, if they miss the call, if they're not aligned properly, if their back is turned on the snap, those things happen so rarely. They just happen so rarely. That's the only times you should be upset about a celebration. And clearly Bill Belichick has no problem with celebrations. We've all known this. It's, it's just the, you know, he has a demeanor that, you know, and I'm sure we're pivoting to this shortly, Shaq, that some people find asshole-ish. Yeah, we will. We will pivot to that. We'll, we'll, assholes talking about assholes in just a moment. But before we do that, Bill, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. I think. How many times can Albert Breer say, I think, in a clip? And... You know, you thought he got his ass pants during uh, last week with the Belichick contract and him not him not getting the scoop, but he's back at it on NBC Takes Boston, and here he is talking about, and this is what I really want to talk about about I don't know where this r- rumor came from, but I, I, some of it says Mike Florio, another says it's you know. All of these people who are saying Bill Belichick is going to go to Washington after the season. He's going to get fired and he's going to go to Washington. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But let's play I think. And I'm going to get my bell. 
I'm going to say five. I'm going to guess five five times oh, this you... clip is. I'm going to go with five. I haven't even listened to this clip, so I'm going to go over. I'm going to say. Oh, I, ha- I yeah. I, my I'm setting the line at. You know what? I'll set the line at five and a half. I'm going to take. Uh, I'll, I'll take sort of the. You know, it's obviously not going to be five and a half, but I'm going to take like five or six. I'll but I'll set the line at five and a half. What are you thinking, over or under? Uh, way over. I'm I'm going to go at least. I'm going to go nine. That may be All a right. little over, but but I think I might be going going. <laughs> Nine or at least a push, a push of five. But uh, let's make sure my bell works. Okay, there we go. All right. So that's the bell I'm going to use. So ready? Here we go. Is the idea of Bill Belichick being traded to the Washington Commanders, is that a crazy idea? No. Or could you see something no. to it? And I, I would even like add that like maybe it's not even as a coach. You know, maybe it's as an executive. It's I think it's possible either way. And I think... What Bill Belichick can do for Josh Harris as a new owner is he can bring you credibility. And if you look at the history of guys of this age, at this stage of their careers going places, it's generally a credibility play on the part of the owner. When Bill Parcells went to Miami, they had a new owner coming in and Steve Ross gave Steve Ross credibility. When Shad Khan hired Tom Coughlin in 2016, it was because they bumbled around and they messed things up his first five years of ownership. Tom Coughlin gave him credibility in Jacksonville. And so I think it'd be a similar sort of play where they're looking to build a stadium, they're looking to re- Wait. gain the trust of the fans, they're looking to turn the page, and one easy way to do that would be to hire the greatest coach of all time in some capacity. Here's what I have a hard time wrapping my head around, though, is that Bill Belichick just goes and becomes an executive. Because at the end of the day, he's, still, he's a football coach. I think he still coach. wants a coach, yeah. He's a football I coach. Do think so... still, I do think he still wants a coach, but... Oh, wait, that was two in one sentence, wasn't it? I think the question and that was five. You know, what are the opportunities out there for him? And um, I think he wants to chase the record. Now he'll never admit this. That's but I think it's really important to him, and he's close enough where if he went somewhere else, you know, that'd be a consideration. It's like if I want to coach, part of it is that I do want to go after the record. But if this is the best opportunity for him, and maybe he could set it up a certain way, or even like, hey, I'll come in and I'll coach for a year or two, and I'll have my potential replacement in place and I will set up the organization like Phil said hire a GM hire like uh, hire a coach and waiting hire a coaching staff and I'll be the guy who kind of sets the table but I'll have the organization set up for what it's going to look like after me that could appeal to a new owner and I just wonder you know the Patriots package if that's what you're getting if you're getting a future head coach somewhere on the coaching staff with Bill Belichick if you're getting a future general manager that comes from the same sort of background is that what you want? Is that what Josh Harris or any right. other owner in the NFL wants at this point, given the recent track record of his Very success? Recent, I, like this week. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I would look at it too, though. I, I do think nationally, like just. Oh, so we count Phil uh, uh, Senator Perry as a think, or no? It's just Breer. No, no. Let's keep it with Breer. Okay. So we're still in conversations with, and Bert, maybe you found this as well. Just mm-hmm. conversations with media people that aren't covering it as closely as we are day to day. They still look at Bill Belichick as Bill Belichick from the middle of the Patriots dynasty and having that sort of ability. And maybe he does. Maybe it's just the roster that's let him down. But does an owner look at it closely and find the same thing? Oh, six. All right. Well, yeah. All right. I'm the dub there. I I set a damn good line there at five and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this this whole thing about that's right there. A. It's just so dumb. I mean, 
most of the Patriots media blame Bill Belichick for the current state of the, what the team is. But this same media now wants to connect Bill Belichick with the Washington commanders and saying that Washington's a much better situation. So now they, 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 they pivot all the time. Bill Belichick's the worst coach in the world, worst game in the world. Get him out of here. Oh, but once he's in Washington, oh, he'll be the best again. He'll, he'll, he'll make them so much better because Washington's so, a, such a better right. situation than the Patriots. It's unbelievable. And, and the appeal. Oh, and, and the appeal and to this the commander. From, and this from Mark. Oh, hold on, Bill. This from Mark Daniels. The juxtaposition between the Washington Commanders and Patriots franchises is striking. That's why the contrast between the two clubs during Tuesday's NFL trade deadline was striking for another reason. The Commanders look better suited for the future. Are you kidding me? They, I mean, I understand they might not have been signing Sweat and Young, but better suited with what? Like, and, and again, is it weapon season? Because, yeah, Terry McLaurin is a hell of a wide receiver. Dotson has shown some promise. But with what? Better? And and that's the whole that's the whole thing, is that we're talking about a, a roster that I would say, you know, you could take, like, take, take your pick, flip a coin, you're fine. I like the Patriots roster better than the Commanders roster, personally. Um I like their cap situation better. I like their, you know, I just like their situation better in general. But regardless of that, the appeal to the commanders might be to put Bill Belichick in a executive role when, you know, and that's what Breer is saying, like, oh, that would be great. When they're talking about Bill the GM fails, Bill the coach. And then it's, oh, he'll build the coach in waiting and he'll build the, t- the he'll hire all of the coaches. Well, going back to our tree, our coaching tree conversation, isn't that the knock on his legacy that he hasn't had enough blue chip coaches rise through the ranks? Like, what are, what are we doing here? It's, it, it's, it's acting, you know, it, it's acting a fool. And, and listen, at the end of the day, We've said it. I said it on the last pod. It sounds like it was part of the conversations that came out from the contract extension with Belichick, that they're still going to talk at the end of the year and decide what's best for everybody. If Bill Belichick says to Bob Kraft, "Hey, I think I've done everything I can do here. I think you're better suited going with somebody else," it might be it might be a good idea for. I still want to coach, but it might be a good idea to send me somewhere else. So, am I going to say that they're not going to send him to the Commanders? No, I think that uh, you know there's a little smoke there from enough people that are differently sourced where it might, there might be some nuggets of like conversation, but it might just be a hope from the commander's side, or it might just be, you know, whatever it might be. It might be Bill Belichick leaking that out so that they don't try to fire him. You know, like it's, it's so that the PR is like, Oh, why would you fire him? If you're going to get assets, they're not firing him. It's like, that goes to Volan's thing. Didn't Volan say if they don't win the next two, they're going to fire Belichick on the bye week. That's not happening. But I think there's like, you know, could there be some PR components being pulled in here? Sure. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, they're just going to talk at the end of the year. And if Bill Belichick doesn't feel like he's the right coach to lead the Patriots moving forward, but still wants to coach, they may very well find him another home. But that's the only way that happens. Like he and Bob Kraft aren't going to go, I want to still coach the Patriots. Now nah, I'm going to send you to the commanders. That's 
<laughs> Belichick, Belichick's going to go where he wants to go at this age and stage in his career. If they tried to going back to Gronk, if the rumors of the whole, like they were going to trade him to the lions and he threatened retirement thing was true. Guess what Bill Belichick would do if they tried to send him to coach somewhere he didn't want to coach at 72 years old. Bye. Yeah. Like what? So like it's, I'm sure that there's conversations in a lot of teams about a lot of things. And every time a team is, you know, struggling or having a bad year, everything's on the table, but firing Bill Belichick is not happening. Um, so of course the other alternatives are for him to return as the head coach for him to retire or for a mutual agreement where they feel like maybe moving forward in a new direction is best for the franchise and they find him the best spot for him out of what's available there. Or he moves into, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure the media would hate this or he moves into an executive role with the Patriots. I don't know how long it's going to take. NFL media and fans to understand that tearing down your entire roster and giving it a fire sale to do NBA style tanking is not a strategy that actually works in the national football league or in the NBA. It's so mind numbingly dumb and dishonest that to compare trading two top 10 overall picks at premium at a premium position at edge rusher at pass rushers with elite physical tools to having guys teams might trade a fourth, fifth, or even a sixth rounder for it's, it's so dishonest right. and it's disgusting, but it's nothing that the Boston media doesn't do. Right. And, and there's a reason the Patriots are favored this weekend. There's a reason they're favored over the commanders tomorrow. And it's because the commanders roster got worse. Yeah. Like the trade deadline Patriots did not get worse. Washington commanders got worse. All right, so now to to finish this off, there are the there are two more usual suspects that are just absolutely idiotic and have said idiotic things and have been called out, called out on it. And but one from an uh, unlikely source, uh, this is Adam Jones. Again, I haven't heard this entire clip because you know I, if I give them a listen, there'll be more than the what two point three that they rating that they already have, even from a lame duck uh, morning <laughs> their lame duck morning show that they go uh, up against, or actually it's not even the morning show. It, they go up against two to six. So I don't know. Again, I, I turn off my radio people. But this is um Adam Jones saying that peppers um is terrible. Hey, 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 let me on. finish. But they won no, they won Jones, Mecco, Jones, they won one Jones. game. Jones, Mego, let me finish. Mego, I will let you finish. I'm just pointing out. They're, but he's, he's been making good an impact for a couple games, and what happened? They won a game. He was here last they year, and they lost sucked. two of their best defensive players, and he's stepping up to fill that void. Like he is. Okay, they won a game. He'll let you finish. He's just going to go first. No, no, I'm just saying. They, I'm just countering. They won a game. Jones, you didn't even notice so him there should until be no two leader weeks there. ago. He and three weeks ago, you're sitting. Why isn't Adrian anything. Phillips playing over Jabril yeah, Peppers? I said I was wrong. What What had he done before that? What did he done before that? He'd been a good safety on this team. He's been a physical player for them for the last two years. Okay. Something and, you can't say for everybody okay. in the secondary. And they were. They couldn't. He was the only player who could freaking tackle in that game against Buffalo. And they were everybody eight and nine. Everybody else is whiffing. And they were eight and nine and two and five. 
and he's been 0-16, and he's never had a winning season, and he's never been to the so playoffs. So nobody in the locker room should no. talk because they haven't had a no. winning season I in I said this years? isn't a Jarrell Peppers thing. It's you, a- you can't have it both ways because you sit there and you say special teamers like Matthew Slater or a guy like Devin McCourty, they don't make a big enough impact on the field, so they shouldn't be leaders, and they're Bill Bobos and blah, 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 and somebody new who's making an impact on the field is trying to turn stuff around and inspire the rest of the team, and you're sitting there going, well, he's been all on these crap-ass teams, yeah, so he I has don't been. want it to be him either. Yes, I don't. Who do you want it to be? I don't know. Someone good? Someone actually good? Like, they need some good players and some good name. leaders. Uh, uh, somebody who's not on the team right now, Mego. That's well, the whole that's point. Well, that's not impossible. It is possible. Because you need a leader in the locker room. It's why the locker room is the bigger issue. They have a complete leadership so void. So no talk. one should be a lot. So no, no, no. no one should be a leader? No. Jabril, it does make sense. Jabril Peppers is going to be the leader on this crappy team because he's a good player on a crappy team. And that's what he's been his whole career. What they need is to look at the leadership on this team. That's what I'm telling bring you. Bring in other good players. Yes, they should bring in other good players. They, okay, if they bring in good players, I don't think he's leading the team. That's Ever the point. Ever heard of a glue guy? Yeah. I, is he that, can be a glue guy. He never has been in his whole career. What do you mean? You don't know that. I, I do know that. He's been a part of a bunch of sucky teams. How can you be a glue guy on a crappy team? Um, I can be a glue guy on a crappy team. <laughs> okay, good. Well, then you're just a glue. You don't, then you don't make any difference. Well, that, that's the best thing she said at the end. I would even call her the glue the, guy. She's the, I would even call her the glue guy. She's the star of the damn show. Shoot. Listen, listen, credit where it's due. That's a hell of a line. Yeah. <laughs> damn. Damn. That, I hadn't heard the clip, and that, but damn, it's just, that was it's a just, good one. Yeah. At, credit, credit to you, uh, Migo. Again, I don't listen, but good for you. because. But really, it's like, this this is how debating these idiots on Twitter are. It's like, what are you saying? Where is your logic? Have you watched the game? Have you understood who these players are? And just saying, because, because the team as a whole is not good, that means that certain players can't be good either? It, it, it's the logic is gone. But of course it is because... Again, this this is this is what sports radio has to offer these days. It's it's disgusting. We we want the we want the faster player, we want the harder hitter. We you know, oh the modern game is passing by. And then they get Peppers. And for the last two years, the last season in this, he's been a very good addition to this defense. He's been a difference maker. And yeah, they're two and six. And yeah. The defense has still been pretty good, despite at points being down their top like four say uh, four corners, and a large part of that is because of the high level performance of Jabril Peppers. He has played a really great safety so far this season, and I like he's like I forget who posted it, um, but somebody posted like that he's only a few mo- like within a few months of Kyle Duggar age wise. And that always stunned me because he's one of those players I felt like has been in the league longer than he has been. Um, But it's just Peppers has had a good year. Yes, you can be a good player on a bad team. And yes, you can be a locker room leader and not be the, you know, the guy. Like, I, I hate to break it to people. Tom Brady was a leader. Do not get me twisted. But. Slate was breaking down at the end of games while Brady was here. There were locker room leaders like David Andrews while Brady was here. James White, really good player. Third down back. Is that like your star? No. 
but he was a glue guy. And he was a, a leader on those teams. And I understand those are good teams. David Andrews, still a leader on this team, has been a leader on successful teams. Does that make him a bad leader all of a sudden? No. Adam Jones just continues to drop the collective IQ of the Boston sports fan in multiples with every time he opens his gullet. It's, it's, I, I have no patience for people who have disingenuous arguments. I, I just don't. And that's why I dislike the Boston sports media in general, but at least several of them will stick to an opinion. You might, it might be a stupid fabricated dumbass opinion, but they stick to it. He is this slug amoeba spindly armed bullshit artist who will change his opinion to whatever allows him to be like on the edge, which is why he's never been as successful as somebody like Felger. And that's success is really in quotation marks when I say that, but you know, the ratings are the ratings and he's just never been able to pull attention like Felger because he doesn't understand that Felger sticks to the shtick. Adam Jones changes with the wind and is just a hot, like trying to chase the next hot take. He's, you know, it might that might work better on a national scale. He maybe he ends up as one of those guys who's the one who said, you know, Brady was going off the cliff and is talking about LeBron all the time. I I forget Nick Wright. He's he's Nick Wright without a national platform. Where he can't talk about 50 teams at once so nobody remembers what take you have. And a smaller Nick, nose. Right. Yeah. Nick Wright is just, you know, Nick Wright has enough things to talk about on the national scale where no one remembers his bullshit unless they're following that particular team because Adam Jones is local. His takes just sit there and are changing and repeat. And you hear this and you're like, wait, didn't he say the other, the, the opposite, like two weeks ago, didn't he say something that contradicts this like last week? And it, it, it just makes people not be able to connect with him. Um, but what happens is people will listen to little clips and snippets and this and that of whatever they want the opinion to be. That comes from him. And those are the people that will follow him into the depths of stupidity. Yeah. The, the Cam Cam and Tauntons and the uh, Johnny Hammer sticks of the world will, will, you know, suck, suck him off because he, you know, he, he's getting, he's getting to, he's getting to the It's, it's, it's so, it's so idiotic. I would call him Dollar Tree Felger, but he's not even Dollar Tree Felger. He's like Goodwill Felger. I, like he's not even like it's really branched away from Felger. And uh, again, this sounds way too positive about Felger and it's not what I mean it to. Um, this is certainly not a vouch for Felger because he's a slug in an entirely different way. Um, but it, it's very much branched to this like spin the wheel of takes. And he's just like it, he's like a, the speak and say of of Boston sports media where it's you know the wheel stops on a Patriots win and therefore he has to discredit the win um and then the wheel stops on you know oh Belichick had a good draft this year better talk about free agency Belichick had a good free agent period better talk about the draft it, it's it's just this like you know anti like this antagonistic speak and say and it truly takes if somebody's listening to him daily it truly takes somebody who just does not care about in, about like intellectual honesty 
to follow him on a routine basis. I understand people who hear clips and want to like it agrees with their take and they want to use them and run with them. Like confirmation bias is a hell of a drug. Um, but if you're listening to him four hours a day, I fi- find other things to do. Touch, touch grass, find a podcast, do anything but listen to him for four hours a day for like two weeks. Just do yourself a favor. Listen to an, like listen to another sports. Like I'm not. This is not like listen to Entitled Weekend. This is listen to anything but for two weeks and see how you listen feel. to listen to Muzak. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Craft your own. Craft your own opinion off what you're seeing, and see if how much see how much of what you still believe aligns with him. Like. Uh, he he is truly the worst of Boston sports media. Like, in a in a if I'm talking about like intellectual value brought, Adam Jones brings less than Fred Toucher, and that is saying a lot. Yeah, it, it's terrible. And one last thing uh, about uh, Boston media losers who. Again, and Greg Greg Bedard again. The, the mothership talked about him debasing himself, uh, dressing up as as big boy on the radio. Which, you know, God bless it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the jester wore his costume to Fat Fuck Friday. It's it's and it's I, unbelievable. Like, and he did it. I, and he did it just I because really, some rando I, said it. Yeah, and I really wish that me saying Fat Fuck Friday about it was truly as far away from what the actual title is as it should be. But no, it's Big Boy Tuesday. Like, the, and he shows up every week and he puts on his little jester costume this week and is like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to be insulted for money. He's a, he's a, like, he's what a, pinata, a, what a sad little he's a pinata and He's a pinata and, and Fowler Maz, they have their, their bats ready to hit him across the chest every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And waiting for the candy to pop out. It's it's sad. He has no idea that they use him to make themselves seem smarter. They lambaste him every week, and then everyone leaves that going, oh, that Bedard's an idiot, but you know who's there? You know who's smarter? Felger and Maz. That's what the whole point of that is. They browbeat him and turned him into a lapdog that they can insult every week to make themselves seem smarter. And they even insult him while he's not there. Even if somebody's not there, there's all these clips of like, oh, say it to my face that came out recently. I guess he said that on one of the recent ones where like they were they were giving him a hard time about something. I think it was after the bills. And he was like, say it to my face. And they just did. They just repeated what they said to his face and he did nothing. So it's like it's like, oh, like how how small do you feel now? How have you been humiliated enough now? And now everyone on that show, even, you know, big Jim Murray, who wishes that you'd all that you're that you'd all outlive your children. Um, yeah, they're all smarter than, you know, Bedard. And therefore they get elevated by having him on the show to be their little pinata. And I think pinata is a good term for it. But shit takes come out instead of candy. But yeah, see. <laughs> the, 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 the story that this is the Patriots. Highest graded defender. I know PFF is not really the best judgment of these things, but PFF has the highest graded defender as Jelani Tobai. And 
<laughs> of course, if, if there's if there's a tweet for it, there definitely is. And there's not just a tweet, there's an article for it. And Greg Bedard, uh, basically the title of this uh, article is Divine to Buy Extensions Shows Continuing Issues with Patriots on Multiple Levels. He says, quote, I have nothing like little Jordan Humphrey, uh, we hardly knew ye, against Tavai. Personally, I have been critical of his placement on this team. Not him. I don't know him since training camp. He's done well this season for the Patriots, probably better than I figured, but it doesn't change my overall assessment of Tavai and his standing on this team. He is not a starting NFL defensive player, and this is the only team he would start on in the league outside of injury issues. And this extension is a joke. Aha. Really? And then, he's, and then he goes on to say he doesn't really have a problem with him signing to buy to So again, he's he's backtracking. He says it's a joke, but now he's backtracking, saying he doesn't mind them. And then he says, like Kyle Vannoy, who was way better, he's he's writing like a five-year-old. Tobias has the ability to give you depth just about every spot in the front seven from end to middle linebacker and as a core special teamer. Every team needs those guys. Especially the Patriots, despite those NFL changing, continues to collect those players like Tom Brady. It's it's just a mess. And goes on to say, look, this is really about what happens going forward with Tavai. If it's a rock solid four down backup special teamer, that's fine. Even if it's a ridiculous price tag, if they don't cheap out on free agents to be like Jacoby Myers and Jonathan Jones, if they draft aside some studs that Tavai really see rarely sees the field, it will irritate me, but it's all good. Yeah, because you're the one that really matters in this case. But does anyone really think, after watching how Belichick has operated the past few velvet years, that Tavai is not going to have a major role on defense next season, that the Patriots are giddy thinking that they got a starter type at cheap money? You know that when push comes to seven, they might have to outbid another team for a faster linebacker that Belichick is going to push away and say, we have Tavai locked up. I know he's going to be in the right place, and I can't say that about the other guy. We're fine. Let's pass. Again, fan fiction. This is this is worse than any anime I could have ever written or I've, I've seen or, or heard. And those are dubbed in from Japanese to English. And this is worse than that. This is where where are you getting these I, quotes from? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at this and I pulled up his contract. This entire article was written about a two-year 4.4 million dollar extension. The extension includes an out after one year where they would be able to save about 1.8 million, $1.9 million of the 2.1 that they would be paying him if they cut him this offseason. They have the potential out for only $283,000 of dead cap. So all of this is that they're mad that he was going to be on the roster for $2.something million dollars this season and that they, if he played well, he might be on the field on the team for 2.2, 2.3 the next year. And they have the option to get out from the contract. The uproar about contracts like this is so stupid. When you consider that they're barely above the league minimum annually, they're like maybe 500,000 above the league minimum. Did that prohibit them from signing every, anybody? No, that, no, dollars were not a problem. They have $100 million in cap space next year, and they could always put a void year on somebody. They could always restructure. It, it prevented no one. This is just yet another example of Bedard being somebody who fails to acknowledge that he has no concept of how the contracts are structured in the NFL. And what he does is he cries chicken little 
about everything. It's the sky is falling when Tavai is signed. The sky is, and like, I'd love to go back and read his stuff on Kyle Van Noy, who is a way better player. Because I'm sure when they traded for Kyle Van Noy, he said that, oh, what a great player. You know, he's a way better player than the like league average linebacker. He's a way better player. He's an, he, you know, I'm sure it wasn't at all. Who the fuck is Kyle Van Noy? Because I would bet money that when they traded for him, and even when they gave him like the first contract after they traded for him, why are we signing guys like Kyle Van Noy? And it would be the same damn thing over and over and over again. He's just a broken record who knows how to write four hour articles. This contract is bad for the Patriots. Bill Belichick, bad. Patriots don't do X, Y, or Z with class. Or let's see what I can't even think of a fourth. Let's go with three. He can write three articles and just changes the words. He's like the worst chat GPT you could imagine. It's yeah, it's a bunch of word salad. So you know, I, I got enough salad to last me, you know, a, a full diet. So I think this is a good place to end the pod. <laughs> yeah, why why does he need why does he need Awaken 360 when he's got uh, when he's got all that, you know. When you're spewing that much shit, you should be losing weight. Yeah, you should be. Yeah, it's it's all it's all in it's all in the cheekbones now, I guess. Yeah, well, well, he, you know, he needs to keep he needs to keep himself a little hefty for Fat Fuck Friday. I'm sure there's a way in, so that they can continue yeah. to debase him on a weekly basis for their humor. It's disgusting. So, uh, well, that's why you've got us to to keep these people honest because they're they're not honest with you and. For those people who don't want to, who don't want to hear that, then oh well. Um, but that's gonna do it for us. Um, Bill is at the fib 0624. I'm at Atomic Dog 5150, and you can tweet us at entitled weekend. You can email us at entitledweekend at gmail.com. And until next time, turn off your radios, slugs. <laughs>